0: trying to steer around picked off center they score Together back over to Manny splits to the defense He's shot he scores zone end there was Shillington. collision VL feed. they score this is cuda confidential the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate the San Jose Barracuda here are your hosts
1: Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein
0: Wonderful time of the year. Welcome to another edition of the CUDA Confidential Podcast, wow. the official wow. podcast for of the San Jose Barracuda, affiliated of the San Jose Sharks. We have made it to the postseason. The Barracuda are in. We've known that for a couple weeks now, but now we have an opponent. It's the San Diego Goals in the opening round, a two versus three matchup in the Pacific Division. Two clubs you met up, of course, a couple years ago. San Jose won in five games. It should be an epic battle. This is a goals group. They got a lot of reinforcements from their NHL club. But as we've seen in the past, that doesn't guarantee success. But it should certainly certainly be a very uh, good challenge for San Jose and a fun opening round matchup.
1: If you cut that intro, I'm going on strike. And, no, that's going in there. That's staying. That's staying. Yeah, that's got to stay. Uh, anyways, back to the matchup at hand. Uh, yeah, you got to feel real good about the way the Barracuda are playing. Going into the playoffs, uh, I think aside from the last game of the year against Colorado, which we dressed most of the young guys, the rookies who are kind of getting, still still getting a feel for the pro game versus a Colorado team who had to win to get in, uh, I think the, maybe things were tilted in their favor a little bit, also playing in their own building. Uh, but heading into that, the Barracuda are playing some great hockey, and it looks a lot like the hockey they were playing to start the year. The penalty kill has been great. Everything, they're moving the puck well, the power plays look pretty good, which is, power plays actually look better than it has most most of the year uh, as of late. They may not be up there as far as the, the league ranks go, but it's starting to click at a higher rate, and that's got to feel pretty good. I think, like we said last week, it's kind of all starting from the back end out, and the goaltending's been really, really good. Uh, Antoine Bevo's been the guy who's leading the way, and, and Joseph Kornasch, when asked to fill in, has been just as good. So uh, you got to feel good about it going to San Diego, especially having taken two games from them in their own building the last couple times we played down there.
0: Yeah, and it's a really good point, I think, on Bibbs is, you know, we've had good goaltending throughout the year, but that uh, position has certainly kind of tightened up over the last couple of months. And, you know, as things kind of were going haywire for a minute, um, it's all connected, not just the goaltenders, not just the defense, not just the forwards. As a unit, everybody was a little bit loose, and it seems to have tightened up. And good to see Bibbs kind of find his uh, stride at a very important part of the year at this point in the season. Beeble in his final five games of the regular season, he went – 4-1, uh, and one, had a shutout, um, was under, I believe, a 1-5 goals against and uh, above a 9.20 save percentage. So playing some of his best hockey down the stretch. And it included uh, a couple wins against San Diego. So to get those uh, wins under his belt um, just only increases, I assume, the confidence going into this uh, playoff matchup against the goals. And, of course, Joe, because it's the American Hockey League's opening round of best of five series, even mm-hmm. though we're the higher seed, we'll start on the road here, um, beginning in San Diego tomorrow on Wednesday, and then another game on Thursday, before returning back to San Jose on Monday.
1: And let's, let's clear that up a bit, because I've seen people ask questions, and they say, oh, what about home ice advantage? I thought we had home ice advantage. So the Barracuda do have home ice advantage. It's a best of five series. The Barracuda are going to get three games at home, maximum. The San Diego Bills get two. So right there, that's, that's an advantage. Now... You start on the road because it's either you play – every team's got to get a game at home at least, and you are going to want those three in hand because if for some reason things don't go well, you have those three at home to fall back. And it's much harder to win three in a row when you're on the road than it is when you're at home. Uh, so that's a big, big part of it. Plus, at this point, if you go down there to San Diego and you steal one of those two games on the road, it, it makes it very, very hard for that other team to come back. I mean, we were able to do it. Uh, a couple of years ago where we went down to San Diego and took three from them uh, after they took one of the games at home from us. So like, it can be done, but it's a lot harder, especially when you look at who we're playing. That San Diego building is very tough to play and it gets very, very loud. They pack it tight and it's, it's a hostile environment. So to, to know that you have those three games at home coming back, that, that helps a lot.
0: Yeah, it is a hostile environment too. I mean, they just uh, finished up another season, which they had the best attendance in the AHL. It's back-to-back seasons for them. You know, you know what you're going to get into when you go down there. I think players actually for San Jose over the last couple of years have asked him, you know, several times. They enjoy that environment because mm-hmm. you know it's hostile. It gets them going. There's no motivation really um, needed because it's already supplied, right? You know, these guys are are ready to kind of jump out there and get her going. So should be a really, really good series in my opinion. Two very evenly matched teams. Um, we were waiting to the final minute to see who the opponent was going to be. There was a chance, Sandals, they could have won the division. There was a chance that they could have faced Colorado or Tucson, you know, and it ends up being San Diego, kind of the team we assumed it would be, yeah. but there were still some things that needed to be sorted out. But, uh, you know, it, it's going to certainly set up for a good matchup. The goals enter the playoffs. I mean, we mentioned they've got a lot of new guys, uh, at least guys back into the lineup. They weren't really playing their best hockey, in my opinion, to kind of finish off the final stretch. They lost uh, on... Friday in Tucson in, in overtime and then ended up coming out with the regulation win to, to eliminate the roadrunners from the playoffs. But uh, I think he kind of wiped the slate clean going into the postseason. Everybody gets a fresh start and you um, can kind of start over. But um, for San Jose's, you know, kind of point of view, back on track from what we saw at the start of the year and a good time to be playing some of your better hockey.
1: Yeah, I mean, San Diego, even when we were down there on that uh, last Wednesday, they they made it close at the end of the game. But really from from start to finish, it was pretty lopsided, and San Jose really controlled most of the game the entire time. I say without, with the exception of maybe what was it? The last seven minutes, maybe is kind of when they made their push. So uh, outside of that, they, you know, San Jose seemed to control the game against the San Diego team, which is basically the lineup they're going to put out for the playoffs. They had all their reinforcements down, and that was really what you were going to see. I mean, they were going through their starting lineup, and it was all guys who had been in the NHL the, the week prior. So. Um, that's big but yeah San Jose's playing really well you got to kind of look that forward line that was Gambrell Hensick, and Chekovich they are an absolute force the Latunov Martin Perron line was on fire when we were in San Diego so that's a nice if that line can get going as your you know your fourth line or third line whatever it may be that's going to be a big boost the defensemen look good so it's you, you, you got to feel pretty confident about it, regardless of how San Diego looks on paper. But, yeah, you know, Barracuda are playing some good hockey right now, and this is the time where you want to be playing your best hockey is heading right into the postseason. So it's yeah. promising.
0: Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, with San Diego, you, you look at their group, and you mentioned the guys that have been up in the NHL, but really, you know, the players that stir their drink are the vets, you know, mm-hmm. the Sam Carricks. Um, the Adam Cracknell, Cracknell's been one, one heck of an addition. He yeah. came over in a trade from Toronto earlier this year. The Corey Trops, you know, those are the really the the guys that kind of, you know, drive that bus. And even a guy like Ben Street, who has been up and down this year, uh, won a Calder Cup a couple of years ago in Grand Rapids. He's been on a tear to Chase finish up DeLeo. the regular season. Chase DeLeo breakout season in his first year within the Ducks organization after spending his first three. In Manitoba and also Winnipeg with the Jets, so um, a lot of firepower on this group, and of course, really good goaltending with Kevin Boyle, who has been up and down this year, predominantly down, but has really put it all together here in his third year of professional hockey. So um, this is going to be a big test for San Jose, that is for sure. But you know, with the home ice, as we talked about, you start on the road. If you can steal one, you're feeling pretty good about coming back home.
1: Yeah, it'll. It's. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how the everything shakes out. You know, I think one of the bigger storylines at least for us is you've got a San Diego team without arguably their best player in Troy Terry so that's a guy who's I mean we've talked about it all year long that guy just seems to kill us every time we play him and he's kind of just torn up the AHL in general Uh, obviously he spent a lot of time in Anaheim towards the end of the year and then you know breaks his leg so he's not gonna be able to play here but uh, that's a guy who personally I'm glad we're not gonna have to see too much of but that doesn't change the fact that everybody on their team is dangerous. Yeah. Like you said, Adam Cracknell. I mean, he's essentially a you know a point per game guy since coming to San Diego, having 28 points in 32 games. I mean, overall he's at 38 and 46. So I mean, he's he's having a pretty good year, and he's a guy. I think we've talked about a little bit before, or I was talking about it with Nick Gialdini, our video coach. He's a guy when he hits the. When he's on the ice and he's in the offensive zone he's got the puck, that is a man playing amongst boys at times because he is so much bigger and stronger than a lot of people having been so experienced.
0: Yep, and they have him listed six three two ten. He is a bull out there for sure, and he's a guy that San Jose is going to have to circle and try to cover. And there's just a lot of firepower in this group. I mean – um, the Sam Steele is a first-round pick. The Max Jones, a first-round pick. Uh, no Troy Terry, which is certainly a break um, because he is a dynamic player. I think Terry started his AHL career with points in his first 11 games. Yeah. And then at points, in something like his first 22 or 24 or something like that. So really a dominating player at this level in this, just his first year. So for him not to be available is, is a big blow for the goals. For San Diego, they're back into the postseason for uh, the third time over the first four years in the division. Of course, they were left out last year. San Jose took their spot so um, that's going to be a hungry fan base they support their team well down there and um, even though it is a Wednesday and a Thursday and a last minute kind of schedule in terms of that first round uh, we do expect there's still to be a pretty good crowd
1: yeah it's I mean it's a tough schedule kind of all around for both their home games and ours all weekday games no weekends but uh, they they draw well no matter the day of the week really Um, so they're I'm confident it's going to go down there they'll have anywhere between three and five thousand people in the building both nights and it's going to be crazy and hectic and i know their fan base does not like the barracuda um and you know because we're a team that can give them fits sometimes and both teams will mix it up a little bit but it's uh, i'm just excited that's playoff hockey if i mean it's it's the as you sang to start the show (laughs) man it's the best time of the year it It really really is so uh, i'm excited to get going here and Really get things underway. It is.
0: It is going to be really exciting. You know, with this Barracuda group, I, you go back to the inexperience. Um, they do have 11 players on their roster that have played in at least one Calder Cup playoff game, and I was kind of wanting to go back and see the type of winning experience there were Some guys on this this San Jose team that have won in the past, maybe not at the AHL level, but um, you know, there's a good handful of guys that have won either at the collegiate level, national championships. Or, you know, either winning their, their junior league, or it's the Q or the Dub or, or the O, or winning the Memorial Cup. So there's experience. And there's experience also, we've also got guys group.
1: who have represented their countries and won on the world yep. stage.
0: Yep, exactly. So, I mean, you can just go down the list. I was putting together T.J. Hensick as a, has a championship in college on the NCAA championship, but won his conference. Rook charchi won a WHL championship. Alex True won a WHL championship. Jeffrey Viel was a playoff MVP last year in the Q on their way to a Memorial Cup final. Antti Sumel is coming off a Finnish championship. I mean, you just go down the list. Uh, Francis Perron won a Quebec League championship. John McCarthy, a NCAA champion. Dylan Gambrell, an NCAA
1: champion. Antoine Biebel, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League champion. So there's some winners on this group. Yeah, and that's why I think that's the way the scouting staff and Joe put the team together. Yep. They, they do that intentionally. It's not so like, yes, you may look at the team and we may have – more than half the team being rookies but they're not rookies when it comes to big game experience and I think that's so important for this organization when they're trying to build guys the way that the Sharks are and how often they get into the playoffs you want guys who can step in and not be afraid of the moment or not you know you don't want guys to panic in the moment at all so to have them have that playoff experience that postseason experience where every game matters and if you don't win you're going home to have that is such a boost for such a young player that way by the time they make that jump to the Sharks the NHL level they're ready to go and we've kind of built that success with the Barracuda as well having made the playoffs for the past four years five years if you're going to date it back to the last year in Worcester so we're kind of continuing that trend that the Sharks are on too so all valuable experience and all guys who I would expect nobody's going to you know shy away from the moment everybody's going to want to be that guy so yeah,
0: no doubt. San Jose, all-time ten and thirteen, and called a couple playoff games, two and three, in terms of series. And, and Joe, you, you mentioned. I think that's a really good point. There's certain kind of DNA um, things that this organization with the Sharks are looking for, and, and it's winners, and it's guys who have been leaders, whether they're wearing an A or a C during their junior or college career. Guys with good, you know, you know, character uh, in, in the locker room, and obviously guys who can produce. But the other things almost kind of outweigh the type of production they've had on the ice. Now, they all kind of coincide. You need to be a skilled player to be here. But, you know, they're looking for all those type of ingredients to go into one pot.
1: A lot of it's, a lot of it's the stuff you can't teach. You can't teach leadership and things like that. So that's – those are the things that I think, you know, when they're, when they're looking to bring these guys in, especially these undrafted guys who are coming out of juniors or even the guys that are drafted, they're looking for guys who have those intangibles, things that you, you know, you kind of – you either have them or you don't. I think they've done a good job bringing those guys in.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Okay, Joe, so we have all of our round one games. Now, we aren't overly familiar with teams in the East. We don't ever see them. We do see Central Division teams, so we've got an idea about the Central. But we're still going to make our predictions here, so we can just roll down. We'll start all the way at the top here in terms of our bracket. We'll start in the East. Um, I'll tell you the two teams that are playing, you can make a prediction. I'll come back with my prediction. I want to say the winner and the you know, how are they going to win 3-1? Are they going to sweep? You know, you True. tell me what the series is going to be. So we'll start with the top team in the entire American hockey league, the Charlotte checkers yep. taking on Ryan Moujonelle who's an assistant coach now in Providence, former assistant here at San Jose. So is Providence Bruins versus the top team in the regular season, the Charlotte checkers. Now we've seen in the NHL being the regular season champion, doesn't always translate into the post season, but this was a pretty dominant Charlotte club. Who do you got? And, uh,
1: how quickly are they getting to round two? They're getting to round two today. Like, there, <laughs> Charlotte is a really, really, yeah. really good team, and I mean, I personally see them as the favorite to. They have to be the favorite to win the Caller Cup, right? They are an absolute force. I mean, the numbers that they've put up are, it's it's crazy. The fact that, the fact that they're, you know, where they are is. is it's just crazy to think about. I mean, they, they played really well. Their their power play is that – or their penalty kills at like 86%. They're a force. They put up so many points this year. They've got a stud goaltender. They've got a really good back end. They've got all guys who can score. I mean, as good as Providence may be, as some some young talent they may have, I just don't see how Charlotte loses a game in this series. It feels like they never lose at all. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be – I don't know. That that's my pick. I see them winning in three games, in three calling on a wrap, and letting that be.
0: That. Okay, I like. I mean, that's, uh, that's not out of the out of the you know question that that's a possibility. That Charlotte team, 110 points in the regular season, they had a seven twenty four winning percentage, which is incredible. So a dominant team. Um, I'm going to give Providence a game, but I say Charlotte takes it in four. Um, Providence kind of a scrappy bunch, got into the playoffs late. So again, we don't see these teams too much. We're kind of sh- going off. St- more statistics and standings uh, more so than anything. But Charlotte was, you know, head over, you know, uh, head heights higher than everybody else during this regular season. I don't know if that's the right verbiage. But, you know, they were a dominating team throughout the year. So um, I I give it to Charlotte in the opening round. All right, let's move on. Hershey and Bridgeport. So you got the affiliate of the Washington Capitals and the Hershey Bears, Bridgeport Sound Tigers, and New York Islanders affiliate. So they've got both their NHL teams in the playoffs right now as well, both as Charlotte and Providence does too. But Hershey – notoriously known for great crowds, historic team and organization, the American Hockey League, who do you got?
1: This one's going to be tight, I think. Both teams ended up pretty much neck and neck at the end of the year in terms of where they finished in the standings. But I think the biggest thing here is you kind of have to look at the way that they're playing going into the playoffs, right? Bridgeport in their last 10 games, they're 5-4, one so pretty middle of the road, 500, you know, 500 hockey. But Hershey is playing really, really well. Where they're seven two and one in their past ten. They're actually three zero oh, and one, and they're you know on a bit of a point streak here. So they're playing some pretty good hockey right now, uh, heading into you know their first round matchup against Bridgeport. They're going to be the underdog as the three seed, uh, but this is a team who you know they've got some some decent guys as well who are going to kind of get him there. I mean, Devontae Smith-Pelly is a guy who they got back from Washington as a veteran presence who's kind of helped spark them. Hershey went on a big run, too, in the middle of the year at one point. I forget how many games it was. At the same time, Bakersfield was on their run. They went on a big point streak as well, so um, Hershey's always in the mix. Yeah. They're all, they're one of those teams that's always there. They are, While they have their young guys, they also have a, a strong veteran presence always, um, and that building is always one of the top buildings in the league to play in as well, so i uh i'm gonna go with Hershey here, and I think Hershey gets it done in five in five, okay, yeah, so those two teams
0: during the regular season they played each other six times, each picked up three wins, so they were five hundred against one another, so very evenly matched during you know the regular season as well i mean this is i'm sh- Shoot in the dark here, because honestly, we don't see these guys. Don't have a clue. I'm going to go with the new kids on the block. I'm going to go with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. I feel like they've been in the mix the entire year, Um, and I also think it's going to go five games, and Bridgeport's going to win that series and get to round number two. So I got the Sound Tigers um, over the Hershey Bears. in that series, so that should uh, that should be an interesting one. All right, we'll move on. So we got Cleveland, who's snuck in at the final moment. The Monsters affiliated the Columbus Blue Jackets, they take on a Syracuse Crunch. So we got the Blue Jackets taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. That sounds pretty familiar. So the NHL and the American League teams, their affiliates are playing one another. So that kind of enhances it. Mm-hmm. Um, Syracuse is a team that made the Calder Cup finals twice, two years in a row prior to last year. Um, prior to, to Toronto getting. So Syracuse knows what it takes to get to a Calder Cup final. Of course, Cleveland won it four years ago now, um, back in the 2015-16 season. So there's some experience there. Not anybody, I would assume, left on the roster. I think last year there was a couple guys left. Maybe a veteran or two is left from that team that won a Calder Cup in Cleveland. Who do you got, uh, Crunch in Monsters?
1: Uh, I got to go with a favorite here in, in Syracuse. I think Cleveland, You know they were the last team to get into the playoffs. Obviously, couple there's still some things up in the air but they were the last guys to get in uh but Syracuse is they're just a, a solid team kind of all around have been for the last couple years they've got uh Eddie Pasquale who's the Hap Holmes uh recipient for top goaltender which Troy Grosnick won uh I believe or maybe they changed the name of it I thought it was the Baz Bastian. Baz, yeah yeah I don't but they've got a award-winning goaltender they've got teammates who won the AHL scoring title so they've you know they've got a, you know good rookies and Alex Barry Boulay um, so they're a team that you know I, I would assume they get through round one I think they get it done in four I think Cleveland can get a game uh, but I don't overall I don't I don't know if they gonna, they're gonna have the depth to to match up with Syracuse who's been there before kind of has that experience, that playoff experience?
0: Yeah, not not very excited, but I'm gonna I'm gonna follow follow your lead on that one. I say they take it in four games as well. Syracuse, uh, you know, they do an excellent job in Tampa Bay of developing their young players and letting them marinate in the in the American Hockey League level, and they've had a lot of success in the AHL uh, with that group as well. So I will take Syracuse as well in four games. So we've got the crunch moving forward. Uh, in that round, both of us uh, agreeing on that one. So let's move on. We've got the Rochester Americans, the Danny O'Regan-led Rochester Americans versus the defending Calder Cup champion
1: Toronto Marlies. Who do you got? Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. This is a tough one. I. You like to think that being defending Calder Cup champs is going to help you out a little bit, but uh, Rochester has been pretty much a force. They they are you know right on the cusp of 100 points this year. They're another team that's kind of rolling coming into the postseason at Six-two and two in their last ten. Uh, you know they don't score a t- uh, they score a good amount of goals. They're second in their division. Um, I think they're a pretty talented team. They got one of the best defensemen in the league uh, on their back end, I believe. Uh, Redmond is his name. If I can just pull it up real quick, I'll grab you his numbers. I mean, this
0: is just summing up the fact that we know nothing. About yeah, we don't know. We <laughs> don't know a ton. Uh, we know some
1: names. Yeah, Zach Redmond. We keep uh, our eyes on it.
0: You know, you kind of look He's, in the corner of your eye on what these teams uh, are doing.
1: Redmond's a, a, a big piece for them. Matt Tennyson, former Sharks yep. guy, is playing for them as well. Junior Sharks. Um, but you know, you look up and down their lineup, Daniel Regan's in pretty good. Tage Thompson is a name who's a big big draft pick uh a little while back. Yeah, Sean he went Malone's over
0: on that O'Reilly trade from St. Louis mm-hmm. to Buffalo.
1: Sean Malone's been a guy who can step in for them and help out. I mean, they've got a they've got a good little team. They're, they're uh, Alex Nelander is another big piece for them. Uh they they they're a team that I've Kind of kept my eye on a little bit, as limited as I am with the East at times. They're a team that I follow just simply because Daniel Regan's been there, so I kind of check in and see how they do. Um, they always seem to, to, to do pretty well. I think this one is another one that may go five, just because I'm, I'm shot in the dark. Mm-hmm. Neither team really wows me, mm-hmm. um, but I could see it going five just because I, I know both places are tough to play. Um, So I'm going to take Rochester in five. All right, you got
0: Roch in five. I'm going to actually – I'm going to agree with that because I see Toronto get to a five only because of their experience. But, you know, a lot of their guys that, you know, were big pieces of that team last year – are up, including their goaltender, Garrett Sparks, who yeah. was excellent last year in that playoff run. He's now backing up with the Maple Leafs. So, you know, I see Rochester as the, you know, the superior team coming out of there, but it's going to be competitive, only the fact that Toronto is coming off the high winning last year and they've still got several pieces that know what it takes to win it all. So I think that's going to be competitive, but I do have the Americans getting through that series as well. Let's move to the Western Conference now. We'll start in Central Division, the Chicago Wolves and the Grand Rapids Griffins. Man, did the Griffs limp into the postseason.
1: Yeah, I, this... so. We're getting a little bit easier now. Yeah. Now we're in the West we, know, we, we kinda know yeah. where we're at, even though we haven't seen Chicago nope. uh, at all. But uh Chicago, you know, regardless of the way it all shakes out, right? I think Chicago is the really should be the top team considered in the West kind of coming into the playoffs. I know I believe Bakersfield won the you know overall like uh if I'm not wrong, they won the overall points percentage, but they put up 98 points in 67 games. They've got really, really good scorers up front um, on their roster. And I just think, I don't know, the, w- the way Grand Rapids limped into the playoffs, yeah, it's, it's I don't know if you can really flip that switch. I mean, you might be able to, uh, but the, nothing really stands out for me. I mean, they got Daniel Carr in Chicago, who's been, uh, he's really been like a point per game guy all season. Uh, Alex Gallant, former Barracuda uh, guy, who was seen a lot of time with them in the lineup, even though he's never really a big point producer. He's a guy who I think they rely on to keep him honest. But this is a team I and mean, you look up and down their lineup, this is the the Vegas affiliate. Yeah, so Cody Cody Glass has been on a tear since he joined them from uh from juniors. Portland, yeah. yeah. Nick Haig has been a guy for them who they can kind of rely on. Jake Bischoff's been another big name for them. Um and they're goaltending, both of them, uh Oscar Dansk and uh, Legacy or legacy have both been pretty good. Um, I don't know. I I keep it close, but the way the way Grand Rapids limped in, it, it's hard to see them winning. I'm I'm taking Colorado in three. I mean, not Colorado, Chicago, Chicago in three.
0: Yeah, I I you know I I don't see the I don't get to see that series going much farther than four. I mean, Grand Rapids had lost nine in a row going to the playoffs. Going into the playoffs, they ended up as the fourth seed in that division. They had the second spot completely locked up. They basically needed to win a game over their final ten games. They won one game in their final ten. They went one eight and one in their last ten games. So I mean, they
1: barely made the playoffs tonight. And they they their that one win in their last ten. That wasn't a win that got them into the playoffs. They got into the playoffs by other teams losing. Yes, exactly. You you really. And we saw
0: them late in the year, and they were struggling at that point. I think they had lost four in a row by the time we played them. So we handed them their fifth and sixth, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and they were waiting. They had a lot of guys up. I mean, they had, I want to say, seven or eight guys. Detroit was just giving guys games, um, you know, with, with their season coming to end. And I, I tip my cap to them for some guys who had never played in the NHL. Um, Chelios for an example. But they got those guys back, and it didn't change anything. Yeah. I mean, they, they also really had some injuries, too, though,
1: I think. They yeah. some guys who were banged up, so.
0: Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see where, they, where that goes. I don't think they're quite getting the goaltending they were getting Um Back, in, back at the start of the year, but either way. I mean, they did not finish, uh, finish the regular season too hot. They limped into the postseason, backed in, really, um, in, in the playoffs. So I've got Chicago winning that series in four. I can see the Griff's, you know, winning one at home. It's a tough building to play in, but uh, Chicago is a good hockey team. Um, even even losing a guy like, uh, was it Eric Branstrom was the kid that was in that trade? Um to Ottawa that sent Mark Stone over the young yes, defenseman, the, the young defenseman. Swedish defenseman yeah. the first rounder. So um, he left and they still uh, kind of continue to keep that thing going. So you've got Chicago in three. I've got them in four. Um, let's move on to the next Central Division matchup. Milwaukee and Iowa. This is an interesting one. Yeah,
1: this is going to be a tight one too. Um, I mean, Iowa's a this is the first time Iowa has made the playoffs, and I think this is their fifth year. I think in it's their sixth, and they, they had not sixth. made yeah, it. Yeah, This of is, their first, last this year this they is lost. their first year. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how they play. But if you if you look top to bottom at, at all the teams in the playoffs right now, there is no hotter team than the Milwaukee Admirals. Yeah, they have gone on an app. They were in seventh place, you know, a couple months ago. Ended up in second place in their division in what was probably the yeah. most. Contested division in the entire league this year. Having all, every, it all came down to really the last day in the uh, in the Central Division. But they're nine 9 and one. Troy grosick has been unbelievable for them. Uh, Colin Blackwell, who's when he's been healthy, has been really really good for them as well. Two former CUDA guys, but they are pretty sound top to bottom. They've got some veteran presence there. They got some young guys who can help out. Um, I I like to go based off of you know the, the way teams have been playing as of late, and I think. Milwaukee's going to get the win. I like Milwaukee in four. I think Iowa can steal a game, but overall I think Milwaukee is going to be the team to walk away.
0: Yeah, this is a really interesting one because you mentioned how good Milwaukee was playing. They had a 14-game point streak going into the playoffs, 11 wins in those 14 games. But Iowa was really struggling at one point. thought maybe they may collapse again and fall out of the playoffs. They had a comfortable spot and all of a sudden went on. You know, a skid there. I think they lost seven or eight in a row. But they finished off the regular season winning their final three, so they're playing some good hockey again. I think that's going to be a really good matchup. I honestly see this one going five games. Um, I have the ads getting through, but um – you know, this is going to be a really competitive series. It, you just don't really know what you're going to get with these two teams. you got an Admiralty team, as you mentioned, Joe, that were completely out of the picture. They storm back into the second spot, an Iowa team that was comfortably in a playoff spot. And we saw them earlier in the year. This is a good Iowa team, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're hitting some tough times, too, at the end of the year. So um, I do expect it to get to five, at least I assume it will, um, because of the competitiveness of these two teams. Not knowing much about Milwaukee, but knowing a few of their former players, but knowing more so about Iowa. Um, I see this uh, series getting to five, and I have the Admirals getting through. All right, let's move on. And now let's move to a division we are very familiar with, and that's the Pacific Division. And we've got the Bakersfield Condors and the Colorado Eagles.
1: Who do you got, Joe? This is, this is tough. This is tough because I've said for a couple of weeks now that I could see Bakersfield losing in round one. Um, the fact that they're not playing Tucson – kind of makes me want to rethink that a little bit. I think Tucson would have been a headache for anybody in round one, and unfortunately they just they didn't make the cut the way all the pieces felt at the end of the year. Um, it's hard to – I don't see Bakersfield losing to Colorado in a five-game series. I just – I think – I just don't know what Colorado really has left in the tank to compete with the top rookie goaltender, top rookie – a couple top rookie scorers, you know uh, – First, second team, all AHL players. It's they're gonna be tough to beat in this first round. Um, How many games is it gonna go though? That's the question. I don't know. Um, Let's screw it. It's gonna go five. Why not? Let's say it goes five games. I think Colorado can push them to the brink. You know, they're playing with that desperation that they played against us. I thought Colorado looked pretty good against us at least this past weekend. So. I'm interested to see you – know, I think they can put a little fight, and I'll, I'll, this will be my, my bold prediction. I think Colorado pushes it to five, but I think Bakersfield comes out on top.
0: I've got uh... – I see it kind of being a series that we saw last year with San Jose and Tucson. It was competitive in the regular season. I think the Barracuda had the edge in the regular season. They got to the postseason, and Tucson was just too much for them to handle. Colorado went four and four against Bakersfield in eight games during the regular season, so it was a you know a pretty competitive series. I've got the Condors winning in four, it's similar to what San Jose went through last year. Maybe Colorado gets a game in the first two, but. Um, I, I see still kind of running away with that one. Um, they're young, very young, but they're very skilled. We've yeah. seen them turn this second half into a dominating performance. It's hard to kind of look beyond the 17 wins they had. And they've got some reinforcements. Josh Curry was up for the second half, mostly the second half of the season. He's back. He had a hat trick right at the end of the year um, upon his return. Joe Gambardella has been an excellent player for them this year. And then you look at the two, you know, the rookies, uh, Marodi and Benson, and even uh, Yamamoto, another first-round pick for Edmonton. So there's a lot of pieces. And Shane Sterrett in between the pipes has been excellent. They've got a good back end. Uh, Bakersfield, I think, is going to be a force to be reckoned with, um, especially if they can start getting that uh, that bus rolling, get some mm-hmm. steam going, get through the first round. I think they're going to be hard to bump off. So um, I've got Bakersfield winning in four, so give Colorado a game. But I think that's not going to be the most competitive series. I think Bakersfield is too much. Yeah. All right, man. We got one last series, and obviously we're we're going to be extremely biased. So let's not choose who we think the winner is going to be. Let's choose how long we think this series will go. So we got yeah. San Jose and San Diego.
1: This, it's tough because honestly, if regardless of how, it could go three games, it could go four. There's no outcome that would surprise me. Um, I don't. This is. This is tough. I do like the Barracuda in the series, regardless whether you say to say that or not. I'm, <laughs> I'm obviously going to – I like the way we stacked up, given the way we've played against them. Um, this is – this one could go the distance and go five games. I think it's, it's – I mean, it's, you look top to bottom in each team, the four groups, the goalies, the defensemen. It's, it's pretty close all the way around. So I could see this one going five where I see you split in San Diego and you split the first two in San Jose, but um, – this one I, I like it. I think it's going to go the distance. It's going to go all five. Okay, you go
0: five. Habera could have been in one, you know, a decisive game five. That was two years
1: ago. Two years ago, they would beat uh, Stockton, so they haven't. They've only done it one time. I get time. stressed thinking about that. Yeah, point, though that yeah. game five, oh. the overtime, the 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 penalty kill, with the puck hit in the post. Yeah, I I like it's that stresses me out just <laughs> thinking about it. But I
0: yeah, all right, Hunter and isn't even with. Uh, with Calgary's organization, I still think he gets nightmares from that. He hit the post oh, in yeah. overtime Have on to. a breakaway, and we end up scoring shorthanded to win it. So that was Ryan Carpenter who got the game-winner in that one. Carpenter on line over enemy lines in Vegas. But um, I think it's going to be a very good series. Um, I could see it going five. Uh, I'll say San Jose is going to take it, though, in four. Um, if you can take one on the road, you split the road games, you come back home, you win two quick ones, series over. So... Um, I agree. I think Seattle's the way they're playing, I, I, I'm confident really whoever the opponent is just because yeah. the way the group finished up the season. I mean, back back kind of just as, as a bit of a juggernaut. Now, we've seen a lot of injury stuff. But we've got a suspension on our hands up top. That's going to impact this series. What goes on with the Sharks? Um, we're all hoping the Sharks keep going, and we, what we want for them to happen is keep winning and get healthy. Yeah. You know, because that's the perfect storm yeah. for both of You clubs. get healthy,
1: I mean, you get – you get healthy, Gambrell's a guy who, who will come back and be a guy in the lineup. Jake Middleton's a guy who can come back, who you, who's a huge piece for us. We talked about that at the beginning of the year. I remember we would said, you know, God forbid if if Middleton has to go up for some reason, we may be in a bit of trouble. And sure enough, he went up, and, and that's kind of, we want a little bit of a skid there. So he's a guy you need on the back end. And Gambrell's obviously a guy who's just produced points every time he's with us. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, the the Joe Thornton suspension is a big piece to kind of the way our roster is kind of shaped right now. He'll be back for Game Four, so I would imagine we're okay there. Um, the big question is Mark Edward Vlasic and what his deal is. I'm, I have no idea what his injury even is. It's probably just being classified as upper body, would be my guess. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But I, th- you know, I think we'll. We match up pretty well against San Diego, and it's going to be a fun series, physical yeah. series, yeah. real physical. I think.
0: I, I do too. I think it'll get uh, chippy quickly uh, on you know both sides, so it'll be fun. Can't wait. Love this time yeah. of year. Let's go.
1: We got through the grind of the 68 game schedule. Now let's get to the playoffs. Yeah, season two. Before we uh, before we wrap this up here, uh, I think for people, a lot of people have asked with you know, with Ryan Merkley being here, what kind of an impact he's had. Can you? give everybody a little bit of insight what you saw in Colorado this weekend. He played two games for us. What did you think? How'd he look just kind of overall? I know he's, you know, 18 years old coming into the pro game for the first time. I'm sure there's some, there's a bit of a learning curve there, but, uh, what, what did you think of the way he played this week? You know what? That's a big stage
0: and, and a lot to ask for a young player. As you mentioned, he's coming from, from the junior ranks, um, extremely young player, just taken in the first round, uh, by the Sharks last draft. So, um, for him to come in and kind of I think he worked through the game that's how I felt like The start was a little shaky. there's no doubt a little bit squirrely out there, you know a little bit indecisive. Um, he's a very aggressive offensive player as a defenseman, so he he kept looking and tried to jump up in the play. I think at times he kind of guessed wrong and he was a little over aggressive, but that's kind of what you get with him. You live and you die by the sword he's so offensively gifted that you kind of got to well take the good with the bad right you know if he can make an excellent offensive play you got to kind of deal with some of the stuff that goes on in his, in his own end. But I thought he settled into game one um, and, and started to kind of find his sea legs. He had a point-blank grade A look. As he as he pinched up in a play and got all the way down towards the crease and had the puck on a stick to score his first pro goal and he got absolutely robbed. So um, he certainly flashed. You see him. I've never seen it before. He, he starts joining the rush. The puck's still in his own end and he just starts working his way up ice. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's just the kind of the game that he has. He's an excellent skater and you know he can zip the puck around instinctually from an offensive standpoint. You know, he's elite. That's the reason why. At just five foot eleven in his frame that he's a first round pick because he's yeah. dominant offensively, but um I would say raw at this point, but certainly intriguing i th- I was pretty excited by some of the things I saw sure, and I think as he continues to gain confidence um he'll just get better you i don't like- I don't know what the plan is for him though I don't I don't know if they're going to
1: put him in yeah, I don't know
0: um, I-, I feel like he's
1: the way he's, kind of his style of play, it's pretty similar to the way Brent Burns is. Yeah. Burns, he, you, you take the good with the bad sometimes. There's going to be turnovers. There's going to be mistakes. But what he can do offensively kind of outweighs it at times. And what you need is the rest of the team to have an understanding of how that person's going to play the game when they're on the ice. You know, there's, if he's jumping up into the rush, you need to be able to, somebody's got to hang back and kind of cover for him yeah. if that's the case. So. Who I mean, it's still early. He's only played two games, and who knows if he plays in the playoffs. But it's one of those things that if he's going to – eventually when he does get here on a full-time basis, guys are going to have to learn that and kind of adjust to that yeah, style. Of play. I think so,
0: too. I actually said that on the broadcast was uh, – I think it was Michael Jolie in game one scored on a 2-on-1. And Merckx had jumped completely up in the play and no one covered on the back end. The puck was zipped back up ice and it was a 2-on-1 back the other way. So, you know – I think for Merkley, will learn from that, but also I think guys playing with him will learn from him. They recognize that he's up with a play, and a forward's going to start drifting back and right. covering for him. No one kind of went there, right? No one filled that open mm-hmm. ice that, that he, you know, vacated. So um, it's one of those deals, maybe more so with him than other players, is guys got to kind of learn how to play with him, not as much as him learning to play with other guys. You know, guys got to kind of pick up his style of yeah. play. So, um, so I, I'm excited to, to see him continue to get, you know, looks. So... We'll see if he gets in any games. To be determined. Yeah, I mean, that's
1: the other thing too. It's, I mean, I
0: think he we, was good enough to probably play, but then again, you know, he hasn't been, all, been here all year. You, you kind of want to reward the guys that have been here. I um, mean, it's not like the other guys haven't played well, so yeah. you know, like, we're and great. It's,
1: it's tough. I mean, it's, it's playoffs, right? You're gonna put whatever lineup's gonna give you the best chance to win. So, you, you, honestly, you never know what's what's gonna happen. I aside from probably Antoine Bebo being our starting goalie and John McCarthy and TJ Hensick being in the lineup, anything is possible. Yeah, You know, like I I don't know what the lines are going to look like. There's guys you can probably expect to be in the lineup, but when it comes down to those third and fourth line and that last deep pair, it could be anybody. And the uh, coaches, you know, Roy, Chaser, Bones, they're going to put in the lineup that's going to give you the best chance to win. So it'll be interesting interesting to see how that shakes out uh, tomorrow.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting. I don't think Bibbs is necessarily – going to play the entire playoffs and not even a performance standpoint. If he wins, of course, he's going to just keep on playing. But, you know, I was listening to some Calgary folks talk about their goaltending situation with Mike Smith and David Riddich. It's a similar situation. There's some thoughts that Riddich was going to play kind of no matter what, and that could be a similar situation with the Barracuda. you got two guys who have been excellent all year, and, you know, for the rookie season that Cornish has put together, he certainly you know would be uh, deserving of getting in. Could come
1: down to a matchup thing yep. too, right? It, it depends on how guys have played during the regular season against each of these teams. You know, if Bibbs has the upper hand against San Diego, then maybe he's the guy for San Diego. But you could go into round two, and you could have Colorado or Bakersfield, and maybe Joe has you know better numbers against those teams. Maybe he's the guy there. So lots of lots of things up in the air. Yeah,
0: but, lots lots up the air. But we'll have lots to talk about next week because. By the time we get to next week, we'll have to record on Tuesday because if we get to a game four, that'll be Wednesday. Yep. So we'll, uh, by the time we talk to you all next week,
1: we'll have uh, you know a lot to talk about in this series. So yeah. it's, it, it's, uh, it's fun times. Yeah, before we, again, before we wrap up, we're not going to be talking again until after our first home game. So we want to remind everybody, Monday, April 22nd, 7 o'clock, game three at home. Could be the, It's the only game we're guaranteed to have. At home, So, come on out there. Be there. Be loud. Show your support. First 4,000 fans in the building are going to get orange rally towels. Wear your orange. It's going to look awesome, similar to the way we had on uh, February 18th, that Orange You Glad Day. So, wear your orange. Come show your pride. First 4,000 fans get a rally towel. Tickets start at just $10. All you season ticket holders, we know you got your tickets for free, so you better be there. Better be there loud and proud. Uh, we've got a concession deal, $5, we'll get you a 20-ounce oh, yeah. beer and a hot dog, which is, I know a lot of you guys may be, oh, well, $2 beers and, and $1 hot dogs. You know, you're, or you're getting a bigger beer for you know a dollar more, uh, which is a pretty sweet deal uh, if you can take advantage of that. So definitely we're going to want to be here. We're going to have some in-game giveaways for prizing and things like that. Uh, but overall, it's playoff hockey you can't beat it if you've been to Barracuda playoff games before you you know uh, the crowds are generally a little bit bigger a lot louder and uh, regardless of us having some weekday games we're we're pretty confident we're going to see some uh, a good turnout for all three of them so definitely come on out and enjoy the game i think you guys will take advantage of it we are hungry for more
0: hungry for more absolutely use that hashtag hungry for more uh, with the numeral number 4 so uh, get on board. And a reminder, from a broadcasting standpoint, we will have all radio coverage on KDOW for all five opening round games. So we we'll uh, coverage starting at the top of the hour, no pregame show. So um, they're all 7 o'clock starts. We'll have the radio coverage start then. You can listen live on AM 1220 KDOW on their website, kdow.biz, or go to sjbarracuda.com slash listen. Of course, the Sharks Plus SAP Center app. And final, but not least, you can always watch the games at watchtheahl.com. We look forward to seeing you all at home at the SAP Center on Monday, and hopefully that'll be our uh, final game because we're uh, moving on. That's so, right. Um, should be a couple good ones on the road to start. Um, but uh, excellent regular season. Let's keep her going and uh, let's make a run at this thing. So uh, we will talk to you all uh, next Tuesday.
1: See you. See you.